I'm Debbie George Addis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about why some patriots fight and others don't, militant secular Democrats and a woman, truth in Georgia, Warnock busted, and how Marxists fight mobs and manipulation. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. And hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Yesterday I talked just a little bit about how, why so many Americans are very, very engaged in this 2020 election battle still even though we are now today, we are the day before the big January 6th meeting in Congress, and we're obviously the big day in Georgia where you have literally the fate of the United States Senate in the hands of the, Gen of the uh, Georgia voters, uh, as we have both Georgia Senate candidates uh, up for election today, and people saying we may not know the answer about that election at the end of the day, but what we want to talk about in the first five is this, and these are just really ideas and concerns that go way past this 2020 election cycle. You know, in America, we have had, those of us who are adults, you know, we've had a, a country that is just unparalleled compared with the rest of the world. We have grown up, most of us have grown up in a country where, where no country is perfect, but relative stability, relative smooth transition of power, relative sanity and safety, law and order. You know, we've had eras where we had uh, excessive crime, we've had eras where we had rebellion as in the 60s and 70s, but overall America was a stable country and a stable country where you could be involved in the political process if you wanted, you could vote or you could not vote, you could run for office, you could never run for office, you could be involved. But you always had at the core the expectation that America was going to continue functioning in the way it was intended at the time of the founding, which basically is the idea that we the people, we the people are the sovereign. There isn't a monarchy that is the sovereign. There isn't supposed to be a ruling elite class. There is we the people as the sovereign. The assumption was, and, and just kind of a standard operating assumption without really thinking about it, that America would always continue to function as it, as it did, that we would preserve liberty, we'd preserve freedom of speech and freedom of religion and freedom of assembly, that those were just without question forever guaranteed rights in America. That is what all of us grew up thinking and believing. And we grew up thinking America was the home of prosperity, abundance, and mostly opportunity, that they're basically, this is the land, the, the promise the world knew about America, why so many people wanted to come to America, because we were the country, if you came and you worked hard and you played by the rules and you, and you engaged in your job or your occupation, your career, you could build a business, you could be successful in America. That was just standard operating assumption. We're not necessarily going to become a millionaire or a billionaire, but you could live and function freely. And the difference between the people who are still fighting in this election cycle and the people who are already surrendering to the theft of the 2020 election cycle is the difference between people who still think that we're always going to have the America that we've known since childhood, we're always going to have the America, the founding that was intended to be a place of opportunity and goodness for everyone, that we're always going to have that and the people that recognize the very identity and existence of America is under threat. And that there's no way to get, there's no, there is that the way to defend the America of the founding, the way to hold on to it involves a fight we must be in now. Those people ready to capitulate to this election theft assume that even if we have America 
you know, with a, a Biden four-year march toward Marxism, you know, mask mandates for everybody, uh, massive control of the American uh, private sector through environmental regulation, massive takeover and crushing of individual freedom. The people willing to surrender to that now, the people who see that is where the left is headed, and they're still willing to surrender, are the ones who are believing that somehow the institutions of America, the structure of America, the Constitution, the founding ideas will somehow rescue us. That somehow we'll always, we'll get America back. We'll be able to bring America back, even if we give in to the Biden four-year, and it's not going to be Biden, it's going to be Kamala and whoever else is running the left. Obama will be in the middle of it all. Those people, even if we have four years of the march toward Marxism that Obama began back in 2008, the people willing to capitulate now in light of massive, uh, undeniable election fraud in this election cycle, assume that we'll be able to fix it later. And that's the reason they're willing to surrender at this point. And those people are wrong. They may be good people, they may be well-intentioned, but they're wrong. I want to talk about some of the fights still happening. Uh, you know, we have the obviously huge uh, Senate battle uh, today, Senate Election Day in Georgia. And then, of course, the huge problem that no one will be able to trust the outcome. If you have the Democrats prevailing in Georgia so that you're going to have an absolute leftist government from the Senate to the House of the White House, there will be millions of Americans who simply don't believe that that happened. They won't believe the outcome at the same, for the same reasons they don't believe the outcome the media is trying to foist on America, the Democrat media mob is trying to foist on America about November 3rd, they're not going to believe a Democrat outcome from the Georgia races using the same Dominion voting machines, the same process that's already been corrupted. But a little bit more in the first five, but what I want to talk with you about ideas, ways we can still keep fighting. Number one, Jenna Ellis, the attorney, one of the attorneys working for President Trump, had a great idea because you know, I've been talking about, you know, Vice President Pence as president of the Senate. He presides over this, this uh, meeting tomorrow in the U.S. House, in the House and Senate. They're all sitting together. You know, McC we have McConnell's not in charge. Nancy Pelosi's not in charge. Pence is. And the big, of course, big conversation is what can Pence do in the face of massive election fraud more and more election fraud being uncovered and exposed every day. What can he do? Well, one idea Jenna Ellis had was, given that we have, and you know, there are varying numbers, so it's five, six, or seven states that sent in two envelopes, two sets of elector envelopes. One, the product of the election fraud, not yet necessarily known or discerned, and then a second set of electors sent by the legislature once a legislature got a hint, a whiff of the scope of election fraud. So sitting in front of the House and Senate meeting, you know, with, with President, uh, Vice President Pence presiding, will be two envelopes in these various states. One idea Jen, Jen Ellis had is, why not send them back? Why doesn't Pence say to those states that sent, those, sent two sets of electors, why don't we send them back? Send, send back the question uh, to the um, to the legislatures in question about what they really intended. So I'm going to ask Matt the Wonderful. I sent him a clip of Jenna Ellis saying this. It's a beautiful and brilliant point. And I'll tell you why after we play her. But this is Jenna Ellis. What she had to say about what Mike Pence could do tomorrow. What uh, Mike Pence could do and uh, what he should do, in fact, is to direct a question back to the state legislatures when there are two competing slates of delegates from these six states. He can ask that question to the states and say, uh, well, state legislatures, you know, I, I have an oath to the Constitution to uphold um, the Constitution as written. And Article 2, Section 1.2 says that the state legislatures direct the manner in which electoral delegates are selected. So you tell me which of these two slates was selected in the manner that your state uh, General Assembly has designated. And that's a fair question. That's not exercising discretion. That's not setting up um, any sort of bad precedent. That's actually returning the authority to the constitutionally vested uh, entity. And to simply direct that question, I think, would then 
uh, require a response from these very uh, timid, (laughs) to put it lightly, state legislatures that haven't been willing to act. And it would, in fact, then give a very clean outcome uh, to this election. It wouldn't be political. It would just be saying you're the constitutionally vested authority. You tell me. Okay, I love that. I love that. I think it's a great idea. And again, for the people who actually say on either side of the aisle that they just want to have, that they just want to have a fair election, that they just want to have the Constitution followed, they just want to have the state legislatures follow their constitutional duty that says the legislatures alone set election procedures, which were, these procedures have been violated in numerous states. What she's saying makes perfect sense. It puts the question back to the entity the Constitution said should decide. Instead of making Mike Pence decide, instead of making the House and Senators, who all various objections are floating around, and we talked yesterday about what I thought was a great suggestion about Senator Cruz had made. He's got 11 or 12 Senators joining with him. You have Senator Josh Hawley also saying that he is going to oppose the electors, I think from just Pennsylvania, but maybe others. You have House members now, it's something like 110 House members saying they're going to join with the op- with, uh, to oppose electors. So, but that gets political. She's saying, why not send it back to the legislatures who ultimately have that authority? And again, I, I, I understand that the people who simply wanted Trump out, no matter what, and they wanted Biden to win no matter what. They just don't want to tolerate the idea that perhaps this massive election fraud will be exposed. Perhaps the legislatures now having far more knowledge than they had on election night, far more knowledge than they had even the, the few first few weeks after election day, November 3rd. These legislatures now have weeks of evidence developed, weeks of news, weeks of people bringing them information. Do you see what happened? Do you understand what happened? They have all that information now, and they may be able to come to a decision that they weren't able to at the time after this massive election fraud was inflicted on America. And so it's a great idea. One great idea to fighting. I want to mention one other thing very quickly. Uh, The Republican attorneys general uh, around this country are beginning to announce that, yeah, another way, if we're really going to have Biden-Harris and this, you know, massive assault, impending assault on American freedom, Republican attorneys general around the country are banding together and saying, you know, we're going to, one way we can do, challenge some of the extreme policies they're going to come up with is to essentially challenge their agenda in court. And so I want to give you a quick number about that because I know that people will just uh, clamor and say, wow, the Democrats would never do this. The Republicans are being so mean. To really understand this, so this is the attorneys general in the various states, Republican attorneys general, are basically saying we are the only line of defense. This This is a guy speaking, Adam Piper, executive director of the Republican Attorneys General Association. We're going to be the first goal at the half yard. Okay, he's getting a football analogy. He's basically saying... We're the only line of defense left to preserve freedom in America, given this radical leftist agenda taking over America. So in during the I want you to really pay attention to these numbers. During Obama's eight years in the White House, eight years in the White House, Republican attorneys general sued the Obama administration 78 times. 78 times won 60 percent of the cases. So in the eight years of Obama, the Republican attorneys general sued the um, Obama administration 78 times, won 60% of those cases. By way of contrast, the Democrat attorneys general, under only four years of Trump, so half the amount of time they had on four years of Trump, sued the Trump administration 138 times. I just wrote those numbers out to say, I'm sure leftists would complain and say, how could these Republican attorneys general, they're trying to thwart the mission thwart the agenda of the Biden-Harris team uh, by announcing ahead of time they're going to challenge the agenda. You know, they, 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 they don't get to complain about that. Democrats sued, attorneys general, sued the Trump administration twice as often, we account for four versus eight years, uh, as Republicans did under Obama. But I'm getting at, it's another way to fight. And I want to, I'm going to, I know this is longer than a five today, but longer than the first five but I want to make something really clear about where we, why I'm bringing up this whole idea in this first five about why some people fight. People who are just 
in a, a narrow uh, niche, a narrow job like attorney general, and their job in their state is to, you know, enforce the laws in their state and to, you know, they obviously have a huge job in terms of challenging when the federal government does something that impacts their state, which they think is unconstitutional. They have a job, they're supposed to challenge it. But the bigger job that these attorneys general are undertaking is the preservation of America. And I don't say that lightly or hyperbolically, I say it in utter seriousness. When you look at the agenda of today's left, it is so far off the American playing field, so far outside of the role of a federal government contemplated in our Constitution. It is a leftist takeover of America. We've been over this many times on the show. We have in this particular election cycle compounding the factor of just the agenda of the Democrat Party has become the Marxist agenda. The Marxists in America literally just surreptitiously took over the Democrat Party. The Democrat Party is not the Dem of today is not the Democrat Party of 40 or 60 years ago. It is a Marxist party pushing a Marxist agenda. So you have a Marxist agenda coming, you know, seeming bearing down on us compounded with a completely stolen election. Biden did not win the election. Trump won something like 74, 75 million votes, and maybe Biden had 55, maybe. So we're having a stolen election with a Marxist agenda and the stolen election funded, orchestrated, and paid for by the, the Chinese communists were now understanding the Marxists of Italy, very involved in all of it, Venezuela, Iran, enemies of America involved in the American election, involved in the fraud in the American election. And therefore, what these patriots are doing, what these Republican attorneys general are doing is saying, we can do our job. We can't stop the entire Marxist agenda, but at least when it comes to protecting our states, our citizens, our constitutional rights, we're going to fight. That's what they're saying. God bless them. One last thing in this, way longer than five minutes, first five. I commented about Chip Roy yesterday, and I, I mentioned yesterday, you know, we have in the Senate, we have uh, Senator Ted Cruz, and a team of 11 or 12 senators he has, Josh Hawley, uh, another Republican senator, saying he's going to oppose some of the electors tomorrow. And the House side, you have a huge number, dozens and dozens of Republicans speaking up and saying that they are going to oppose some of the electors being sent from states where the fraud was simply massive. So you have Republicans standing up for the same reasons those attorneys general are standing up, the same reasons. Not just because there's fraud on his face and we can all see it, not just because this is a stolen election, and not just because there is a, there is a foreign involvement in the theft of this election that is, that is just deeply dangerous, but the really deep thinkers, the ones who understand what's at threat in this election cycle, are willing to fight because they understand we are at a crossroads in America. We're at a crossroads. We cannot go over the cliff to socialism and Marxism without a fight because it's very, very, very hard to climb back up that cliff if we let this happen. It's part of the reason they're willing to fight. Now I want to turn to Chip Roy, a congressman from Texas, Republican congressman. As I said, obviously we supported him in the past. Uh, we, in many, many ways, he's been on the show numerous times. He is among the Republicans in the U.S. House who is leading the charge to say the Constitution prevents him from protecting America. That is what Chip Roy's argument boils down to. What he's basically saying is he has a piece out and it's linked on our website. You can read it yourself. Our website, americacanwetalk.org, on the homepage, under shows, drop down, list of links. I link to both. Chip Roy's, uh, Congressman Chip Roy's statement uh, from yesterday or a couple days ago uh, where he and other congressmen came together and they issued a joint statement uh, opposing, or ba basically a joint statement saying they are going to rubber stamp the Electoral College votes regardless of the obvious fraud. They're going to rubber stamp whatever the state sent in. They're going to rubber stamp it. They, will, they are criticizing the Republicans in the House and Senate who are saying, no, we're going to look closely and we're going to object to some of these uh, 
alleged choices by the Electoral College because they're the product of fraud, product of fraudulent elections. Chip Roy is saying, no, 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 all we do is rubber stamp. We can't look at it. The Constitution prohibits us from looking at, these, uh, at the Electoral College votes. The Constitution prohibits. And I saved this topic for the end of the first five because I wanted to build up to make the point I want to make. Congressman Chip Roy is a, he is not Mitt Romney. I mean, heaven knows, Mitt Romney and the other, what is a polite word? Rhino is, doesn't even do them justice. Establishment Republicans in the U.S. Senate who are saying that they are not going to interfere uh, in the Electoral College, that they find they're, they're issuing statements of you know, very high-minded, smug, self-righteous, um, full of themselves, we are the guardians of the Constitution, and we, you know, the hallmark of America's freedom is to have the smooth transition of power, which in the abstract is true, but in the context of this, this election, what happened is hogwash. It is spineless cowardice on the part of Romney. He doesn't want to get involved in a messy fight. He doesn't want to get involved in a fight where he might be targeted or criticized. He wants to sit up there with a the ruling class and play along with this fraud. That's what he's saying. And to excuse his cowardice, he's trying, he's couching it in very, uh, very uh, eloquent terms of his statesmanship. He's not worth listening to or to be taken seriously. But Chip Roy is. And to the Chip Roy members of Congress and the other one, other people banding with him, and on the Senate side, Tom Cotton, I put him more in this category with Chip Roy. Their argument is that the Constitution does not contemplate a role for them as members of Congress to challenge the Electoral College votes coming from the states. And therefore, they're saying the Constitution prohibits them from making challenges to the electors. They just can't do anything. They, are, they, are, they have no role except literally rubber stamping. It's not even rubber stamping, just sitting there and raising their hand or failing to raise their hand by objecting to object that they think that's their role. And what I would say about them is this, you can be a patriot, you can love America, you can love conservatism, you can love free market economics, you can support the platform of the Republican Party. But at this time, at this stage in America's history, if you can't see what the left did in this election, the enemies of America who funded and orchestrated and enabled what the left did in this election, and the danger coming to America from the agenda that the left is going to bring to America in just a few short weeks, if you can't see all that, well, let me say it the other way, if you see all that, and you still say, sorry, can't do a thing about it. This is really what Chip Roy and the team that are lining up to say the electors should be, the, the uh, members of Congress should be silent in the face of this fraudulent election. What Chip Roy is really saying is in the face of all of that, of the theft, of the evidence of the theft, of the massive election fraud, of the Marxist agenda funded by America's enemies, Chip Roy is saying, sorry, the Constitution ties my hands. I can't stand up for America. I can't stand up to fight what is going to happen to America. I can't stand up and stop what's going to happen. I'm limited by the Constitution. And friends, if you think that, then what he's saying is that the Constitution prevents him from preserving America. That's what Chip Roy is arguing. The Constitution prevents him from preserving America. And I will say, I, I, I do think that Chip Roy has some sense of how radical the left has become in this country. I, I, so I do think he knows that. But the, the, the urge to fight, the, the passion to fight, he just can't get there. They just, it's not just Chip Roy, it's whatever, 13 or 14 other people signed on with this with him. They can't get there to the idea that they have to find the passion to fight. And the other reason that, I, that defenders of Chip Roy and people who are in his camp, the other reason being given is that they say that we, they have faith in the, the system we have in our country, the institutions, the courts, 
the Constitution. They have faith in the institutions and the documents that have preserved America and that those institutions and those documents and those ideas will be strong enough to withstand the assault of the left on America. And friends, he's wrong. You only have to look around what's happening right now. The courts will do nothing. The courts, every institution the American people are supposed to trust, all of them are either complicit and participating in this stolen election, or they are completely frozen in fear, don't want to be the next one targeted by Antifa and the leftist mobs. They don't want to be the next ones, so they're frozen in fear. Or they somehow think, we'll fix this in the future, but right now I'm just going to let this go. I, I, don't want to, I don't want to stir everything up. I don't want to cause trouble, so I'm going to let it go. And people, this is the whole thing, uh, the whole mindset of the summer soldier, sunshine patriot mentality. Just, I'm going to go along as long as I don't have to stand up and fight. I'm going to go along what I think is good and right but I don't want to have to stand up and fight about it. I don't want to do that. I mean, you know, I don't want to make a fuss. I don't want slings and arrows at me. So I'm going to go along with the fraud. And my concern, I finally wrapping up the first five. My concern is that even the very ideas of our constitution, the very promises of the Declaration of Independence, the structure of government we created in the constitution, the structure of America that has kept us free, all of that, required patriots and brave people in every generation to stick their necks out and defend it. To stick their necks out and defend it and say, this is, too, this is an assault, we're not going to permit it, we're going to stand up. What we need in this time in 2020, excuse me, we're in 2021 and going forward, are patriots willing to stick their necks out and fight for this country, which has got to mean any means to expose the election fraud that occurred, any means to stop the theft of this election, to prevent the inauguration of a man and whose team stole the election, the patriots are the ones still fighting. Trying to sit or stand on your laurels and say, well, but I'm preserving the Constitution. I'm, I'm the one really standing up. You're surrendering. You're giving up on the country. What Chip Roy is saying, and I, again, he's a good man. He's a, he's stood up on many important issues, but what he's saying is the Constitution requires me to capitulate to the destruction of America. The Constitution requires me to allow a stolen election to stand. The Constitution prevents me from investigating a stolen election and stopping it. The Constitution prevents me from preserving America. And that is unacceptable in America. And that, my very fine friends, is my way longer than first five. I want to hit a, a quick topic. I keep talking to you about different things, why I say the left is so, um, so anti-American, what they're uh, undertaking. And we'll, you know, we're going to have, if we really end up with a Biden administration, we're going to have a lot of conversations about what it means to preserve America and how the left is dismantling America. So I want to hit one little point. I never even got to this. Uh, it was actually something that came out, I think, like 10 days ago or so. I'm not sure when it was. But uh, there's a group called the Secular Democrats of America. Secular Democrats of America. On my website, americacanbetalk.org, you can see um, what they are. You can read their entire very lengthy document they have prepared. Uh, but they have written a document uh, pre to be pre presented to um, President-elect, they call him Joe Biden, and Vice President-elect Kamala Harris. Uh, so it's a group that's presenting demands to Biden and Harris about, and here's what their, their, uh, their goal is, restoring constitutional secularism and patriotic pluralism in the White House. I'll read that again. Restoring constitutional secularism and patriotic pluralism in the White House. And this is signed on to by numerous Democrat members of the U.S. House. This is not just the loopy, far left, you know, we hate God and you should too kind of groups that have been around in America for a while. This is a group, they have actively prepared a lengthy document 
telling Biden and Harris everything they should do to remove religious liberty protections in the federal government. Everything they should do to attack and undermine religious freedom in this country. And it is a, they, they are particularly attacking the Trump administration, uh, talking about how ridiculous the Trump administration was to actually try to protect religious freedom. And they go through government funding. So they want, for example, government funding that makes its way to any private school. Any private school must be immediately cut. They have a lot about education, wanting to have uh, evidence-based and science-based education. Um, and they use this expression over and over, restoring constitutional secularism. I may spend more time on this document in the next few weeks um, because it's really important to understand how far the left would go in completely removing protections for religious liberty in America. But part of what they're talking about in the education front is insisting that government dollars only go to science-based, evidence-based teaching in the schools. So let me just ask you this, and this, this is a, a perfect example of, of when I say the leftist agenda is intolerant of religion, intolerant of religious freedom, and willing to treat radical, radical ideas as acceptable to be taught in public schools, ideas that are, that are an affront to people of faith and not just Christian Americans, Jewish Americans, other Americans of faith would find their ideas reprehensible, but they want these allegedly secular ideas and science-based, evidence-based to be the only thing that tax dollars can ever go to. So for example, just one little idea. So you have the LGBTQ agenda pushing its way through the schools in America, trying to convince kindergartners, teaching kindergartners that you don't really have a gender or a sex that you were born with. You weren't born a boy or a girl. That's just old fashioned, you know, fairy tale. You're really anything you want to be. And if you decide, even though your mom and dad have always called you a boy and called you son, you know, if you think you're a girl, then that's what you are. And you have institutions in America that will back this up. This is just one example. I don't want to go through examples today as much to make the point uh, when I'm saying, telling you when the, the, I'm saying the radical Marxist left has taken over the Democrat party, example after example in this document is all about the idea of driving religion out of the public square through a very contorted understanding, a very contorted understanding of the idea of the Constitution and the idea in the First Amendment of the Constitution that guarantees freedom of religion. Congress shall make no laws respecting the establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise. It's the basic language of the First Amendment. The point of these leftist, radical, militant, secular Democrats is the First Amendment, really only the first half of the First Amendment counts. Congress can't do anything that even tolerates religion is the view of this group. More on this later. But you have to, when I'm telling you that the secular Democrats, uh, and by that I mean the anti-God, anti-American, you know, anti anti-God have any place in America, that's who these people are. And this is a missive sent to Biden and Harris, not just by these loopy radical leftists meeting in some cave someplace, but people who are pushing these ideas and have members of Congress signing on. We'll talk more about that later, uh, but we'll, um, you know, we'll, we'll just, uh, I want you to place them. I'm telling you that we have reason to be greatly worried about the Democrat agenda, the Marxist agenda. It's not just abstract philosophy. It is cut and dried policies that will change the face of America, religious freedom being run, tolerance of religion, as I mentioned yesterday, and numerous times on the show, when they're done using the uh, climate change alarmism and the Green New Deal to change everything about your assumption of you being free to live how you choose to live and where you live, when they're done talking about the ways they're going to fix society with social justice reform because of alleged white supremacy, you're going to end up, and white privilege, you're going to end up in a society you won't even recognize as America because it will be repressing and controlling all of American life. And by the way, uh, so today I mentioned the Senate election was in, um, is happening today for the, in uh, Georgia for the, um, uh, for the two senators. Uh, 
President Trump was there yesterday, last night. You probably, some of you saw his speech. You know, I, I want to get at some point today talking about, you know, why people are so passionate about President Trump. But I sent Matt the wonderful clip. This is a little tiny clip of what Trump had to say in Georgia last night. I want to ask Matt to play that clip and then talk about why people are so passionate defending, um, defending um, President Trump. We stand on the shoulders of American heroes who crossed the oceans, settled the continent, tamed the wilderness, laid down the railroads, raised up the great skyscrapers and won two world wars, defeated fascism and communism and made America into the single greatest nation in the history of the world. And the best is yet to come. And proud citizens like you help build this country. And together we are taking back our country. Our fight to drain the Washington swamp and reclaim America's destiny and dignity has only just begun. We will not bend. We will not break. We will not yield. We will never give in. We will never give up. We will never back down. We will never, ever surrender. And our hearts bleed red, white, and blue. We are one movement, one people, one family, and one glorious nation under God. And together with the incredible people of Georgia, we have made America powerful again, our military. We have made America wealthy again, our stock market. We have made America strong again. Look at that arm. Look at that. We have made America proud again. We're proud of our country. We have made America safe again. And we will make America great again. Go get him, David. Go get him, Kelly. Go get him. Tomorrow. You know, one reason I wanted to play that clip, that was from, it was a fabulous rally. And you know something? I know I made this comment before in the show, but when you watch these Trump rallies, I mean, you know, I'm in pretty good shape. I, I work out, I, you know, I give a lot of speeches, I do this show. I get exhausted sometimes listening to President Trump. I, I just can hardly believe the energy, the passion. And what's so great about it is, it's all from the heart. He is, I know he has a teleprompter there. He's got to make sure he covers all his points, but this is a man inspired, determined to speak up for America. This is a man passionate about America. And when you go back to, I was talking the first five to a little bit about why some patriots fight. The reason so many people fight for Trump is not because they are sycophants, they're not because they're in some cult, not because they're in some, you know, just cult of worship of Trump, this is what leftists try to say to mock and ridicule Trump supporters, that you are just, you know, you're kind of the cult of Trump, you're too full of, you know, you're, it's just about him personally. It's not. He is very popular and he deserves all the popularity. But the reason President Trump is so revered and respected among the uh, 75 million plus, 80 million, haven't really voted for him, it's because he stands up for America. And part of what he did in his campaign in 2016 and throughout his presidency was to continue to speak up for America. And the more he emboldened among the American people, love of America, reverence for the idea of America as a sovereign nation committed to the freedom of its people, committed to being a strong nation with a strong military, committed to be a nation which can only be a sovereign nation with secure borders. All of that, what President Trump built up in America was a renewed recognition of the greatness and goodness of America. And at the same time, his praise for Americans, love for Americans, love for the American people, rawly exposed just opened the window, or pulled back the curtains, and allowed America to see more clearly how much of leftism is anti-American. This is what Trump accomplished. 
he helped America see how much of Barack Obama's agenda for eight years in the White House was simply anti-American, was not respectful of the concept of a sovereign and strong nation, but instead was deferential and weak and bowing to the international globalist elite. He listened to Barack Obama's descriptions and characterizations of our people. And there was always a, a criticism, a, uh, a denigration of America as a people, as a culture, of our history, of our military. There was just an undermining of the goodness of America. At the same time Barack Obama was doing that for eight years in the White House, you had the institutions in America, the education institutions, the colleges especially, but even high schools, for decades denigrating the idea of America, denigrating the history of America, denigrating the founders of America, denigrating everything good about America. And because President Trump ran on and spoke with such passion and love for the American people, for the idea of the country, for the freedom of the country, it helped Americans see how anti-American today's left is. It helped Americans see that about the left, even though you had the media forever and a day covering for everything and lauding everything good about, uh, they, they said was good about President Obama, lauding his accomplishments and what a great guy he was and wonderful and all that kind of stuff. And so you really had President Trump help wake, uh, wake people up to love of America. And this is why his followers are so passionate. It's not because they want to have him personally. In fact, what you really want is the love of America, the renewed love of America, always improving itself, always be getting better, always improving on a more perfect union. But you want to have that love of America in the hearts and minds of the American people long after President Trump is out of office, long after he's left this earth. What if his gift to America more than anything else was reinstilling love of America, he will have done an extraordinary thing because the leftists, the academics, the anti-Americans, the Marxists, the socialists, the communists have spent decades denigrating, criticizing, insulting, and mocking the very idea of America. And this is why Trump is so popular. This is why. So now we'll turn quickly to the Georgia uh, summit, the Senate races. Uh, there was a great thing. It just came out today, or at least I just saw it today. Project Veritas, as it has turned out, had uh, put someone inside. They had a spy inside the Warnock campaign. This is the, one of the two Democrat uh, candidates running. Uh, Warnock is uh, a pastor, actually a black pastor, um, and he is running for Senate uh, against Kelly Loeffler. And I want to just ask Matt the Wonderful, this is a clip, the Project Veritas, if you aren't, don't recognize the name, uh, this is James O'Keefe Group. It's basically a group that, um, that uh, does undercover work in exposing the, not just the left, the often leftists, but exposing uh, when organizations try to hide who they really are. So he's the one, for example, his organization exposed that Planned Parenthood was indeed selling baby body parts after they said they weren't selling baby body parts. He put someone inside the Warnock campaign to expose the idea that Warnock is a radical leftist, even though he claims he's not, he's a pastor. He's a radical leftist. And I want you to hear what, Warnock, what Warnock's team had to say about his desire to defund the police. You know, police officers are not all good. You know what I'm saying? Most of them are bad. We know that. Avoids using defunding the police because he knows that the Republicans are going to try to grab onto an attack. Of course, right? Of course. But in reality, his his whole platform with police reform is along the lines of the same people who are saying police. Gotcha. Just not using the same rhetoric, you know. Those are some of the things that um, you know we can get answers from uh, from a senator that will hold local police accountable. He's pro-choice, even though he's a reverend, he's pro-choice, he's pro-police reform, he's very progressive. He's pro-police reform, absolutely, 100% without a doubt.
But he is on our side for defunding these suckers in blue, these police. He's on our side on that. Okay, we can cut it off there. You know what? Um, I'm going to cut it off if we can, Matt. Okay, yeah. It can go on and on, but I don't want to run out of time today. The point I want to make about that, not just that, you know, a Democrat supports defunding the police, which of course he does, but this is the way leftists operate. I'm trying to get in a bigger discussion than just this candidate and this election. This is how leftists operate. They, they operate they can't say what their agenda is or the American people wouldn't vote for them. I mean, Biden and the left have been complaining. Who came up with defund the police? That was a terrible thing, even though they got millions of votes because the left is being told, oh, yeah, he really is going to defund the police. So I'm getting at the idea of Warnock, this guy who wants to serve in the United States Senate, in the elite 100 members out of our whole nation of whatever we are, 330 million, we have 100 senators he wants to be one of those 100 and he's a guy who supports defund the police and let me explain about defund the police it is not simply a manipulative um you know slogan out there it was is very much it is it's a horrible slogan it is feeding into the uh the mantra of the left that we live in a deeply racist nation and then police are all bad and and you know of course so then the uh Communities that tried defunding the police soon discovered they have a problem when they defund the police. I'm getting sidetracked. Warnock is a defund the police guy, but he doesn't dare run on that because as his own staffer said, Republicans might point that out to the voters. You really want to vote for someone who would defund the police? And I understand Warnock in the U.S. Senate is not going to be making voting decisions on funding police because those are state decisions and those are city government decisions, not decisions by the Senate. But when you have that mindset... When you believe in defunding the police, what you're really doing is participating in the intentional Marxist creating of disruption, the collapse of law and order, the collapse of civil society, which is part of what the Marxist agenda is. And he supports it. Uh, another thing, just on the quick manipulation front, um, my, and um, actually, you know what? I'm going to skip this. I'm going to go one last story today. Try to stay on track. Uh, one last story today. And I put how Marxists fight. And I use the expression they, of mobs and manipulation. And I'm going to play three quick things to make this point about mobs and manipulation. One is, you probably heard this, but seriously, in the U.S. House, with the Democrats still barely in control, uh, they had the opening prayer. Uh, they opened the session in prayer. I can't believe the Democrats even tolerate prayer in the United States Congress, but opening uh, for the um, uh, the closing of the opening prayer uh, at the U.S. Uh, House, I think yesterday. We have this is um, uh, uh, amen. We ask it in the name of the monotheistic God, Brahma, and God known by many names, by many different faiths. A man and a woman. Okay. You could be almost speechless, but he's closing a prayer by saying amen. And then because the word men happens to be in the word amen, he goes a women, a woman. Okay, amen just means so be it. It's, it's just an affirmation. Your prayer is a closing to a prayer. And I don't know if this joker doing the prayer knew that, but when I talk about manipulation, the left Everything about them is to manipulate the American people. This is a, a throw, you know, tossing out a bone to the feminists that want to have non-gendered language. By the way, amen is not a gendered word. You already had the House saying they're going to eliminate the worst use, uh, use of the words daughter and son and father and mother. No gendered pronouns are allowed in the U.S. House anymore. You have to say person, parent, child. I, I really hope the Republicans just push back every day and won't comply with that idiocy. But... That was one example of leftists manipulating idiotically, but using their platform to manipulate the American people, to manipulate leftists who hate gender, who somehow want the non-gendered world to become the norm. A woman, seriously. Okay, next one I sent to Matt the Wonderful. Um, uh, there was a, um, well, that might be what I sent him. Okay, that was what I sent him. I'll tell you two other quick things that kind of play into this whole um uh, this whole mob and manipulation, just explaining how Marxists function, how they work. So, Senator Josh Hawley 
who's a, a Republican from Missouri, uh, was out of town. You know, his family's in Washington. He was back in Missouri. He's one of the few brave senators who has spoken up and said he is going to oppose some of the electors tomorrow, January 6th. So he's out of town. And so his wife and small baby, newborn baby, are at home in their place in Washington. And the Antifa mob showed up outside their house. The Antifa mob actually showed up outside Josh Hawley's house in Washington while he's out of town and uh, threatening, banging on the door, trying to pound the door in, yelling threats, yelling name calling at his wife and baby. And I, I raise this to say the left in this country, the Democrat party in this country has encouraged and legitimized mob behavior in this last year, especially even before this last year, but in this last year in particular, the Democrats in this country have encouraged, legitimized mob behavior on the part of Black Lives Matter, a Marxist organization, on the part of Antifa, a Marxist organization, both organizations working very hard to bring the Marxist revolution to America, and the left is perpetually silent. They let it go. They don't condemn it. They, in fact, they encourage it. You had Maxine Waters, a, an actual member of Congress, member of the Black uh, Caucus, Congressional Black Caucus, gave a, remarks outside encouraging people in the public, don't let Republicans sit out at restaurants. Don't let people who support President Trump sit down, eat in a restaurant, harass them, drive them out, harass them in their homes. This is, people, I, just, I can't tell you how strongly it's important to understand this. The leftists of, of America, I mean, the Democrat Party, completely overtaken by the Marxists, is very much fomenting, encouraging, permitting, tolerating, legitimizing mob behavior, violent mob behavior. Barely a Democrat in Washington would criticize as buildings burned around this country, as Antifa and Black Lives Matter destroyed buildings, smashed windows, burned police cars, murdered people. Barely a word of protest out of the allegedly mainstream Democrat party. You gotta get this clear in order to understand how consequential this election is. The Democrat Party has been taken over by the Marxists. They are bringing the Marxist socialist agenda to America. So Josh Hawley, wife, small baby threatened, not a word of condemnation, just, you know, this is how the Democrat Party, how the, Marx, the Marxist roll, how they roll, what they do, how they use mobs, they manipulate. One last very quick manipulation story, then we got roll because we're end of our time today. But Kamala Harris, she who would be vice president, and actually, given that Joe Biden is not mentally there, she'll be president, and can't, unless the Democrats think up some other scheme to get somebody else in. Kamala Harris, just as a, just a, a manipulation thing, a story worth recounting. She did many stories about her life that I've not covered on this show. But Kamala Harris was interviewed in um, a, an L magazine, E-L-L-E, L magazine, which is the French verb she, L magazine, so for women's magazine. In October, in that story, in the L magazine, she, Kamala Harris, told a story about herself saying that when she was a small child, she was small to be in a stroller that her parents took her to some civil rights march and they're marching in the civil rights march and I got their little baby in the stroller and they're going down the street and they're standing up for civil rights and somehow Kamala fell out of the stroller. Parents didn't notice she fell out. They kept marching and then they realized, oh my gosh, the baby's gone, turned around, came to find her and she was crying. And so the mother asked her, you know, basically my mother tells a story. This is Kamala Harris quote. My mother tells a story about how I'm fussing, Harris says. And she's like, baby, what do you want? What do you need? And I just looked at her and said, freedom. F-W-E-E-D-O-M. A story Kamala Harris recounts about herself in Elle magazine in an interview in October saying that she was at a march and that when she was asked, when she's sobbing, what do you want? It was, the answer was freedom. Small problem, 
with veracity, with truthfulness, because as it turns out, this very story appears in a Playboy magazine interview of Martin Luther King in 1965. So 1965 interview, Martin Luther King tells a story, exactly the same story. Baby in a stroller falls out, blah, blah. Someone goes, what's the matter? What do you want? And the little girl says, looks up and just says with tears in her eyes and says, feed him. I'm sorry, Kamala Harris made up that story about herself having said freedom and it's not so bad. I mean, you can say, okay, you know, she's just trying to make her life seem more interesting. She's trying to tell a memorable story. She's manipulating America by making up things. She didn't fall out of the stroller and she didn't say freedom to her mommy. She's picking on a story that Martin Luther King, she obviously read the Martin Luther King interview from earlier, in, from 1965, and realized, wow, that sounds good. And it's manipulative for a couple of reasons. Number one, she's trying to sell herself as a trailblazer on civil rights, not hardly. And second of all, is told to manipulate the American people, the freedom answer. Oh, you poor little thing, you couldn't even say, you were so young, you couldn't even say the word freedom, but you knew you're so brilliant. It is just poppycock. It's designed to manipulate the American people into seeing her as a trailblazing civil rights activist and second of all a poor little child so un just just so at a young age knowing the virtue of freedom she couldn't even say it right but she was so up for freedom and i'm telling you the story not because it really matter if kamala matters that much if kamala harris makes up a story and lies it does matter but not that much but i'm getting at is this is how the marxist agenda works in selling the Marxist agenda to the American people. They manipulate people. They manipulate, and she is a key manipulator, key manipulator of the, for the Democrat Party. She is someone telling that story for the reasons I said, and not because the thing ever happened at all. At the close of every show, I tell you why the stories I talked about today matter to you. So we started the show today. At the beginning of our show, we talked about why some patriots fight and others don't, and why these matter to you. Um, some GOP people, so Trump lost. What's the big deal? You win, you lose, you move on. That'd be Mitt Romney. Patriot fighters, this is not about Trump per se. It's an absolutely stolen election by forces with a declared agenda to destroy American freedom. It must be fought. GOPers, they do not grasp the grave danger of America allowing a fraudulent election and a radical left agenda that will emerge. They don't see how we'll never have fair elections again if we don't fight this. And they don't recognize, and this is really the key, this is the key for many Republicans who are not necessarily, you know, they're, they're not the Mitt Romney types, but they are just... They, they just don't want to stir the pot. They don't want to fight right now. So they're saying, so their thinking is they don't recognize the determination of the left to implement its agenda by any means. They wrongly assume that America's institutions can and will protect us. Patriot fighters still in the fight. Trump attorney Jenna Ellis suggesting Pence defer counting pending decertification. State attorneys general vowing to use litigation to oppose the leftist agenda. And I should include in the Patriot fighters, Senator Cruz and his team, Josh Hawley, people supporting him, the now hundreds of GOP members in the House. I understand, by the way, that you have to have a majority in the House and Senate in order to actually recall these electors or to, re to reject these electors. But the fact is, putting it out for the American people to see what the evidence is, is a great public service even if they can't overcome the election. Next slide, please, sorry. Truth in Georgia, Warnock busted. Project Veritas penetrates the Warnock campaign for US Senator from Georgia. Videos expose the real Warnock positions as discussed by staffers. Defund the police is his real agenda, but he can't say that. White people are a problem. I think I cut it off before his staffer was talking about how white people are a problem. Uh-huh, that's great. There, there's a man who's gonna represent all of us. More Americans must wake up. This is standard operating procedure for leftist politicians. 
lie in public about what they think or what they intend to do, privately assure staffers and donors of the truth of what they think and intend to do. Americans have never wanted the left's actual agenda. They've only been fooled into voting for disguised and deceitful versions of it. And how Marxists fight mobs and manipulation. U.S. Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri announces objection to electors in Pennsylvania. Leftist mob response is not to debate the merits, but to threaten Hawley's wife and child in their home. Shape of tyranny to come? Antifa and BLM are both leftist Marxist movements with this agenda and using this mob action, and the Democrats are silent. Biden VP candidate Kamala Harris, manipulation on steroids, presents elaborate story of childhood memory of civil rights protests and wanting freedom, but the story was plagiarized nearly verbatim from an entirely separate Martin Luther King story presents elaborate story of childhood memories of the family Kwanzaa celebrations, but Kwanzaa wasn't even in the vernacular during her childhood. Shameless pandering and conscious deceit, the mark of a leader who believes the masses are to be fooled. My very fine friends, this is America Can We Talk for today. I do this show four days a week, Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time, solely and only to stand up for the unique, extraordinary idea that is America. There has hardly ever been a more important time in all of American history for every patriot to be on board fighting for America, to be on board standing up for the ideas of America, because whoever is inaugurated on January 20th, 2021, just a few weeks away, whoever is inaugurated, we have to hold them to the same American standards that every patriot must always defend. The ideas of America from our declaration, from our constitution, from our very founding, from the Federalist Papers, all of those ideas are ideas that Americans must understand are the reason America is great, are the reason America is strong and free and the place of opportunity the world has always wanted. All of us have a job for standing up for that country, the country that fulfills the promise of the founders, that protects Americans of every race, creed, national origin, religion, wherever you're from, whatever you look like. The idea of America works for you, but you have to support the ideas of America. So going forward, the ideas of Marxism, socialism, communism are utterly antithetical to the idea of America. They must be fought at the front end, at the beginning, as soon as they are announced. They must be relentlessly fought. We don't, we should not be considering giving an inch, becoming a little bit socialist, and then kind of fighting our way back to freedom. The reason so many patriots are stridently supporting President Trump is because he supports the idea of America. And they see that, and they know that, and they want that idea to be in place for the next thousand years in this precious country. That's what the fight is right here in January of 2021. The fight is to demand honest elections, expose election fraud, prevent future election fraud, and to refuse to allow election fraud to carry the day in America. Refuse to allow a stolen election to result in a fraudulent inauguration on January 20th. That's the fight for America and whoever is inaugurated on January 20th. It is your job, my job, everybody's job to keep on fighting for and preserving the ideas that made America great. If you love this show, you love what you learn, love what you hear, I would love for you to do three things. Number one, go to our website, americachemitalk.org, hit the subscribe button. Once a week, you get an email from me, summarizes the show, the blog posts we do. On that same website, americachemitalk.org, hit the donate button. This show is entirely listener funded. And I have never been paid a salary. Six years I've been doing this show, not been paid. And that's okay, it's okay. It is my passion. I am blessed beyond belief with all of the uh, ability I have to do this, with my legal background, with my ability to, and my, my love of America, my study of American history, I'm blessed. I, I'm in a, exactly where I should be speaking up about America, but I could use your support. Shockingly, this lovely studio isn't free. 
And so I have, you know, we have to pay to keep the show going. We also have to pay to expand the show and to fight the social media uh, censorship, which is really cramming down on my show. If you love what you hear, I'd love your support. You can make a one-time donation or recurring donation. So subscribe to the newsletter, donate, and do everything you can, please, on whatever social media site platform you're using to listen to the show. Like, share, subscribe, comment, keep up the conversation about preserving America, the most extraordinary experiment in human liberty ever to bless this earth. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. This is America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time. America, can we talk truth about America? Can you hear